Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready For The Draft podcast, episode 10. Week 7 of the college football season already in the books. Teams have already played six games to this point. We're almost halfway through the college football season. We're midway through October. Hard to believe we're already at episode 10 of this podcast series. Seems like yesterday, episode 1, breaking down what to expect during the 2019 college football season. You blink, and the season's going to be over. It's quite remarkable. Last episode, we talked about the quarterbacks, what to expect You know, in this draft class. Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, the top two quarterbacks. Joe Burrow making a push to possibly jump into that consideration to be a, a, a top quarterback taken in the draft. You know What happens with Jake Fromm after that? And then there's a, 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 a group of four to five juniors that really have decisions to make. Do they decide to come out and battle for a potential first-round slot, or do they look at coming out next year, come back one more season for some development? Guys like Jacob Eason, guys like K.J. Costello, who's been battling injuries. Sam Ellinger is another one. Uh, Jordan Love of Utah State had a breakout uh, sophomore season, junior year you know, has been kind of up and down. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot to really think about there at the quarterback position. But now we're going to transition and really look at the wide receiver position, the playmakers uh, down the football field. Now, when we talk about the, the wide receiver position, you know, we're going to look at 20 receivers right now, but that's not even scratching the surface on the potential for this draft class. There are uh, just so much talent at the wide receiver position in this year's draft class. And usually when you're talking about the draft class, you're talking about, you know, the strength. Where is the strength? It's either, you know, it's, it's top heavy. You know, a lot of the drafts are top heavy. If you have uh, some guys up at the top, you know, this year you have Jerry Judy, CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs, all in consideration to be top 15 picks. T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Jalen Rager, possibly even Tylen Wallace jumping into the first round. Uh, consideration as well. And then you talk about, all right, well, what about day two? There are plenty of day two guys, guys that'll be drafted in the second and third rounds from your Devontae Smith to your Colin Johnson's, uh, Tyler Johnson as well. Uh, you know, and then obviously there's even some draft uh, depth uh, on day three. Day three is where you're going to find a lot of guys who who end up making rosters and end up being huge surprises. So I think really when you look at this draft class, there's depth at all three levels of the draft. And I think that's what makes this draft class so special. Uh, You know, at the top, is it going to be like the 2014 draft? Uh, You know, the 2014 draft, if you recall, that's the year that Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Cooks, uh, Kelvin Benjamin all went, uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, all went in round number one. Uh, We also got to see uh, Jordan Matthews, Devontae Adams, uh, Allen Robinson, jo- Jarvis Landry. I mean, the, the list goes on and on with this draft class. Um, you know, so you know, that was the 2014 draft. And then 2015, Amari Cooper, uh, Devontae Parker, Nelson Aguilar, uh, you know, some guys that were making some uh, some plays. Then you have Tyler Lockett a little bit further down on, on day two uh, making plays. J- uh, Jamison Crowder, a steal at the top of, of day three in 2016. You know, 2016 draft, uh, you know, a little down year at the top. You had Corey Coleman, Will Fuller, 
uh, Josh Doxson, Laquan Trebwell there in, in round number one. But then it was all about rounds, you know, two, three, uh, where you really started seeing some some playmakers. Uh, how about Sterling Shepard? Michael Thomas of the Saints was taken in the 16th pick in round number two. Tyler Boyd out uh, of Pittsburgh taken in round number two. Uh, you know, Braxton Miller uh, had a couple of years there, uh, uh, but the Texans, he was drafted in round number three, the former quarterback. So, I mean, as you look at these draft classes, you know, there's there's talent to be found at all different levels. 2017, we had Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross all taken in in the top 10 because the, the, the draft class, it really kind of dropped off in terms of the level, level of talent or so we thought. Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cooper Cup. All taken on day two in that draft. Oh, and don't don't forget, uh, Chris Godwin was a third round pick. Kenny Galladay, a third round pick in that year dra- that year's draft. Dee uh, Dee Westbrook at the top of round number four, and then 2018, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, the only first round picks. But then you had Cortland Sutton, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup all taken on day two, all guys who have made impacts for, for their teams. Um, so when you look at the, at these draft classes, you know, you look at some of the, some where you, you know, not only the first round picks and the, and the household names, the guys that everybody knows, you start doing your homework. You start looking for some of these other receivers, guys who, you know, will, will fit a particular offense or a guy who you know, may not be a burner, but a guy who is very dynamic, very sudden with the route running, a guy who just knows how to get open, excellent hands. You know, those are some of the things that you're going to look for and guys that may slide a little bit in the draft. Look, Cooper Cup was not the fastest guy. He ran a 4-6, but if you watched him in the one-on-ones at the Senior Bowl, nobody could cover this guy. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, and and that translated to the next level. But teams still had some doubts, and he fell all the way to round number three. Juju Smith Schuster, he wasn't fast enough. He was a big physical guy, but he wasn't fast enough. Couldn't separate. We see what he's been able to do there for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll take a look at this receiver class. We'll talk about exactly what what we saw out of them. From there, we'll transition to what I saw in Week Seven. So we'll take a look at some of the games that I've gotten to watch. Um, and if you listen to my podcast, you know I, I try to watch as many games as possible. My goal is to watch at least one game for every uh, FBS program, all 130. And uh, I'm over 100 now. So uh, I'm working my way, uh, getting through the last few, um, you know, so that I can go ahead and and uh, really break down every team and the draft-eligible prospects for each team, um, along with some FCS schools as well. I've got that sprinkled in throughout my college football journey this season. And then finally, we'll take a look at the week eight matchups, games to watch out for. So without further ado, let's take a look at the at the top of this wide receiver class. And, and I'll tell you what, when you talk about the top, Jerry Judy is the guy that has to be the first name that comes to mind for everyone. 6'1", 192-pound junior. Um, you know, this season, 42 receptions, 538 yards, six touchdowns a season ago, you know, 19.3 yards per reception, 14 touchdowns over 1300 yards was the Bolitnikoff award winner. Uh, you know, a touchdown in his, in his final four games. Um, you know, he's a guy who, you know, you're looking for guys who usually have either you see the vertical speed and a guy who can get vertical on you or a guy who's very sudden in and out of his breaks, you know, and you're talking about a guy like, you know, uh, say 
uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, not, not necessarily the fastest guy, but a guy who was very sudden in and out of his breaks and a guy who knows how to get open, um, you know, versus, um, you know, some of the, the speed merchants on the outside and Marquise Brown, a guy who's still working and still developing as a route runner, but a guy who can definitely get vertical on you. Jerry Judy can do both. And I think that's what makes him so special. And the other thing, too, is he's got other receivers. He's got Henry Ruggs Jr. and Devontae Smith, who we'll be talking about here in just a little bit. But Jerry Judy blocks for these guys. He blocks on the outside to spring those receivers for extra yards. He's also blocking for Najee Harris. Very unselfish player. And I think that's one of the things that you definitely look for in a receiver. This is going to be a guy I think is you know going to uh, be tough to dethrone when you're talking about the Bolitnikoff award and you know he's he's very much you know in the in the running for a, a top 10 pick possibly even a top five pick um, you know I, I think Jerry Judy has that type of talent and uh, he's just a guy who knows how to get open but there's a big but there and, and a couple of weeks ago I, I talked about this guy and said that he was consistent you know, he had scored a touchdown in every game so far you know during the season but you know, he had been utilized really to the extent that he was capable, you know, that really he was capable of. And I'll tell you what, against, you know, the his next two games, you know, against Kansas and then against Texas, C.D. Lamb. Uh, I'll tell you what, guy has proven to be a, a number one wideout for, for the next level. A guy who is challenging Jerry Judy for that number one wide receiver role. 6'2", 191 pounds. Um, you know, and a, a guy in that Texas game reminded you, you know, he was doing some Julio Jones type of things out there. I mean, he's not as big as Julio Jones, uh, but 10 receptions, 171 yards, three touchdowns in that game. When you think about, about Julio Jones, you think about the physicality, just how strong he is. And C.D. Lamb, you know, there were guys that would hit him in the open field and he wouldn't move. You know, and I think that's one of the things that was so eye-popping when you watched him play was uh, in that game, C.D. Lamb, uh, you know, he, he showed the speed uh, down the field, down the sideline, but you know, his ability to, to cut back against, against the grain and uh, breaking tackles, uh, it was just one of those things that was just, it was so much fun to watch. You know, his, his touchdown receptions, there was a 51-yard touchdown um, on a on a flea flicker, you know, got open behind the the defensive backs, juke two backs, um, two uh, two defensive backs there, and then you know got to the outside, broke another tackle, and uh, you know just really strong after the catch, took it all the way to the pylon. Um, you know there was another play out on the sideline, and uh, you know broke three tackles tiptoed down the sideline showing a tremendous balance for a guy his size so he has the power he has the speed um you know he's not you know julio jones ran a 439 at the combine so when you're talking about a guy like like julio jones um you know and that, that that's one of the things that you really have to to be careful with some of the comparisons because you're gonna say well julio jones ran that 439 um you know he was uh let's see you know he, he did Haul in, uh, let's see, it was over 1,100 yards in his final season there at Alabama. But at the Combine, let's see if I can find the numbers. 6'2", 220 pounds, uh, ran that 4'3", 9", 
um, bench press, you know, 17 reps at 225. Um, you know, the three cone drill, a 6.66, you know, just a, a, just tremendous, tremendous performance put on there by, by Julio Jones, but you know, six, three, two twenty, a little bit bigger than CD, but the physicality is there. That's one of the things that I think is so special. I mean, Julio Jones went number six overall to the Falcons. I'm looking at CD lamb and I'm saying, you know what? CD lamb should be a, a, a top 10 pick. And I think there's a good chance he could end up being number six in the draft and be that number one wideout taken over Jerry Judy because, you know, for as good as Jerry Judy is, especially, you know, with the suddenness, getting in and out of the breaks, um, the physicality with which, you know, CeeDee Lamb plays, um, you know, the attitude, his, you know, and also having that, that breakaway speed, I think we're only scratching the surface. I think this could be a very special, special wideout. To me, he's the Bolitnikoff Award winner about midway through the season. Um, so these guys are kind of playing catch up with him. Now, if, if CeeDee Lamb is the most physical receiver in this draft class, and Henry Ruggs is is by far the most explosive, a guy who's going to take the top off of a defense, six foot, 190-pound junior, um, and look, you know, he, he had, you know, 48 receptions, 741 yards, 11 touchdowns, though, in his sophomore season. And through six games, you know, just under 400 yards, five touchdowns, but 21.9 yards per reception. You know, think about that. I mean, that's that's some explosive, explosive plays. Um, you know, nearly 22 yards per catch. Um, you know, he's just a guy who is a human highlight reel. And, and when you look at his explosiveness, he is so quick coming off the ball um, that he gets to full speed in a hurry. And uh, I'll be curious to see what he runs in, in that 40. We've already seen what Marquise Brown could do for the Ravens. And, and I'm looking at Henry Ruggs, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking he's very much in that same caliber as, uh, as Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, in, in the, one of the games that I watched this week, uh, Bama, Beat Texas A&M 47-28. Henry Ruggs uh, had a, a 33-yard touchdown on a sluggo. I mean, a quick step inside, then released to the outside. Had Miles Jones, who's a really good corner for Texas A&M. But, you know, he's 6'4", trying to cover, you know, Henry Ruggs with all that speed. And uh, just got him turned around. Speed to the to just run by him and and score. So the route running, some of the suddenness there with with Henry Ruggs, he's a to me a, a guy who could end up being a top fifteen, top sixteen pick when it's when it's all said and done. I, I firmly believe that that can definitely happen. You know, Marquise Brown was taking number twenty five overall by the Baltimore Ravens. I think Henry Ruggs could potentially be in the fifteen to twenty range when it's all said and done. Um, so those are my top three. I really don't think you know there's there's any question there. I think the only question is going to be is it C.D. Lamb or or Jerry Judy taking number one in this receiver class. Beyond that, uh, how about T. Higgins out of, out of Clemson, six four two oh five, the junior. Uh, this is a kid who you know in just six games so far this year. Uh, you know, 22.9 yards per reception, only three touchdowns, but, uh, you know, a, a guy who is a threat to, to go the distance on any given play, you know, he, he the, the size, you know, I think is really what jumps out to you. Like I said, 6'4", but he moves really well for a guy his size, a guy who can get deep. Um, I'll be curious to see what his 40 time is. That's really going to be critical for him. Is he going to be a top 
top 20 pick, it's going to come down to that 40 time. If he can break four or five, then he's absolutely a, a first rounder. So, um, T. Higgins, as a as a as a sophomore, 59 receptions, 936 yards, and 12 touchdowns, catching passes from Trevor Lawrence in the the national championship season for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, he's by far their their best receiver, um, and and a guy who just knows how to make plays down the football field. Catch radius is is enormous. Um, just very reliable hands, and, and to me, you know, I think T. Higgins has a you know, a good shot of being a top 20, top 25 pick. Um, you know, there's so much talent there at, at Clemson, so you really can't take a look at at the numbers too much uh, week in and week out. Uh, you know, th- there's a lot of talent. You know, you've got Justin Ross and you got Amari Rogers and you got Travis Etienne coming out of the backfield. There are a lot of explosive playmakers there for Clemson, but T. Higgins, it all starts with him in the passing game. After that, there are a couple of question marks for different reasons. The first one is LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado. 6'2", 220-pound junior. Some people compare him to Sammy Watkins you know, with, with the speed. I look at the physicality. Physicality reminds me of Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, as a sophomore, 86 receptions, uh, over 1,000 yards, 6 touchdowns. Played in 9 games. And, uh, you know, during that, that time period, had five 100-yard uh, receiving games, one that went over 200 yards, but uh, went down to injury, and that really slowed his his uh, his season down. This season, struggling to stay healthy again. Five games played, uh, you know, just 296 yards receiving, two touchdowns on 21 receptions. Um, you know, the thing with LaVisca Chenault, I think that's going to be the biggest red flag, is the durability. He can't stay healthy. You know, and for as as good as a receiver can be, for as explosive as a receiver can be, if they can't stay healthy and can't stay on the field, ultimately at the end of the day, he's no good to a to an NFL franchise. So Lavisca Chenault is going to have to show that he is durable, that he can withstand the rigors of a 16 game season in the NFL. That's the biggest worry that I have for him. You know, I, I think with Colorado and their offense, he runs a lot of those underneath routes this is a guy who's going to do a lot of the dirty work he's going to run a lot of crosses a lot of drag routes make guys miss in the open field and then use that speed to run away from you Uh, he's not a guy who's necessarily going to be asked to take the top off of a defense for for the buffaloes so you'll be curious to see what that 40 time is going to be is he going to be able to showcase some speed get under that four or five range and uh you know really offer some of that explosiveness. You see him uh, you know, as a threat to go the distance on any given play, but I, I think what's mo- the most fun to watch is is the physicality, the stiff arms, the, the leg drive, lowering his shoulder, running guys over. He's not just going to run by you. He'll run you over. He runs like a running back with the ball in his hands, and that's what makes LaVisca Chenault so much fun to watch. And uh, you know, in, in a game that I watched this past week, if you bear with me, as you hear me flipping through my pages here um, of my notebook, Oregon, Colorado. Now, Colorado got, got, uh, got, got, you know, they, they got pounded 45 to three. LaVisca Chenault, four receptions, 70 yards in that game. Um, you know, showing a really good job on a, on a curl route, snapping off the route in front of the defensive backs. Uh, you know, hands catcher, um, settles down well in the zone. Um, you know, open, you know, finds an opening in the zone and, and Montez shows his numbers to, to Steven Montez. 
um, adjusts well to the ball in the air, uh, made a catch on, on a slant, and then you know, plants and cuts to the outside to separate from the defensive backs. Um, you know, inside go route, ran by the corner, 36-yard gain. Um, you know, he, he's somebody to me, when I watch watch him play, you know, I'm just waiting for him to have a breakout game and just really explode. But uh, he's not always a guy who's going to take off the take the top off of a defense because they've got guys like Tony Brown and, and Katie Nixon who are, are more uh, more or less going to be featured in that way. Um, now the other guy who potentially has a chance at the first round, uh, in my opinion, is going to be Jalen Rager uh, out of TCU, 5'11", 195 pound junior, a guy who can play on the outside and in the slot. Really had a breakout uh, 2018 season, 72 receptions, over a thousand yards. Uh, nine touchdowns on the season as well. Uh, just really a, an explosive playmaker on the outside. Uh, this season through five games, just 15 catches, 186 yards, and, and three touchdowns. But here's the biggest thing that is a concern for me. This is a, a speed merchant, a guy who is is dynamic with the ball in his hands, can make you miss, very sudden. He's a, uh, he offers a lot in, in special teams as a punt returner, kick returner. Um, so he's very sudden. But the problem is, is... The hands, a lot of times in traffic, not always the most reliable. You know, and, and he actually had a game this season where he had just one catch for 15 yards. So he, he tends to disappear at times during games. And when you're the number one wideout for your for your team, not only is is the offensive coordinator going to try to find ways, Sonny Cumbie is going to try to find ways to get the ball in your hands, but then you also have to make sure that when your number is called, that you're making those plays uh, for your quarterback and your team. And the fact is, is you take a guy like this, you know, yeah, you can, you know, you can run all the routes that you want, create some separation. But if you're going to be playing in traffic, you've got to show some good hands. You've got to be able to hold on to the football. And and Jalen Rager, you know, I think contact is is one of those things that that you worry about with him. Uh, you know, is he going to be able to um, be a reliable receiver? Uh, and be consistent. If you can get the ball in his hands, he'll, he'll be dynamic in the open field. But the question is, is, is you know, can you count on him you know, when, when you need him? Now, the flip side, you have a guy like Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State, uh, the Blitnikoff Award finalist from a season ago, six foot, 185 pound junior uh, in the season you know, last year, 86 receptions, uh, just under 1,500 yards. That's 17.3 yards per reception, 12 touchdowns, seven 100-yard games, and two 200-yard games. Those were both against uh, Texas and OU. Uh, had basically 10 receptions for over 220 yards and two touchdowns in each of those games. Uh, this guy's just a smooth, fluid athlete. A guy who you know is is reliable, has excellent hands, and, and just knows how to get open. Very sudden. You know, a guy who I think could play in the slot. You know. I, I don't know that his 40 time that he'll test all that well. I think he's going to end up sliding into day two, but uh, a guy who I think is going to be a reliable wideout. He he's not like James Washington. James Washington was a guy who was going to be more explosive. I think Tylen Wallace to me just seems like a, he's a smooth receiver. Not the not the most explosive guy in the world, but a guy who. I look at as a very reliable receiver, a guy who's going to go up and win some 50-50 balls, knows how to run his routes, knows how to you know to to really sell the route. Um, and to me, I look at him as a as a definite early uh, round two pick. 
as is Devontae Smith out of Alabama. Now, look, if you saw the game against Mississippi, this was a guy who uh, took the top off uh, you know, the, the Rebels defense there. 11 receptions, 274 yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, that's 25 yards of reception. You know, he was busting off runs or receptions for, for 70 and 80 yards. Um, you know, really a guy, I think the route running is what sets him apart. When you talk about Jerry Judy, you have the, the explosiveness and, uh, you know, to take the, to, to get vertical, but also the, the suddenness with his route running. Henry Ruggs, more known for the speed vertically. I think Devontae Smith, very reliable hands, but a guy who also knows how to get open with his route running. And, and he's somebody to me that I look at. I don't know that he'll ever be a number one wide out, but he's definitely a guy who uh, is going to be a nice complimentary receiver. He's already doing that at Alabama, sharing the love with, uh, with Judy and Henry Ruggs. And in that game against a and if I can find that game here in my notepad, seven receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown in that game. And uh, like I said, just showed excellent hands on the perimeter. Um, you know, he, he catching quick passes. There's a nice uh, stop and start uh, to make the defenders miss. So he knows... You know, knows what to do to when the ball's in his hands to make defenders miss. Um, route running, knows how to get open, excellent hands. I, I see Devontae Smith and Tylen Wallace being two guys that are going to be early day two selections. Which brings me to a pair of, uh, you know, they're, they're not brothers, but they're both last name of, of Johnson. And they're both seniors. Uh, Tyler Johnson of Minnesota and Colin Johnson of Texas. We'll start with the latter. Colin Johnson, 6'6", 220 pounds. Uh, the senior has only played in three games this year. Slowed by injury a season ago. Really a breakout junior year. 6'8", uh, 68 receptions. Just under 1,000 yards. Seven touchdowns. Had three 100-yard uh, receiving games in those um, in that season. This year, like I said, slowed by injury. Coming back, played against OU and struggled a little bit. Had to shake off some of the rust, but you can see the talent is absolutely there. This is a guy who can high point the football, um, big, physical, a huge catch radius. There was a nice fingertip catch that he had. Kind of double clutched it a little bit in that game against OU, but absolutely showed showed off some of his hands you know able to to fully extend for the football you know a guy who i think has a flair for the acrobatic a little bit a guy who can um, make catches along the sideline and then very physical after the catch as well so you know i, I think colin johnson the question is going to be can he separate that's going to be the big the big issue the big question but that was the thing that a lot of people said about alshon jeffrey could he separate could he really be a dynamic receiver uh, in the in the league in the NFL and and the answer to that obviously is yes you know Alshon Jeffrey has been a leading target there for the Eagles for a number of years um, so Colin Johnson you know the question is going to be just how fast is he what's he going to run is he going to be in the four six range you know can he you know can he drop that speed a little bit you know six six two hundred twenty pounds he looks almost like a tight end um, you know. A guy like Darren Waller was around that size uh, coming out of Georgia Tech. He's made the transition to the tight end position and uh, just signed a nice extension there with the Raiders. 
Colin Johnson is one of those guys I think will end up being a day two pick. I think he'll probably end up falling to the third round. I don't think he's going to run the fastest 40. Because of that, guys end up falling. But uh, he's somebody who, like I said, can be physical. He ends up adding some weight. If he's 6'6", 245 pounds, he'd be a very mean tight end. But uh, we'll see where where he where things take him. Uh, now, Tyler Johnson... Out of Minnesota, he's going to end up being Minnesota's all-time leading receiver when it's all said and done. 6'2", 205 pounds uh, a season ago, 78 receptions, over 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6 100-yard receiving games in that season. So far this year, uh, 459 yards uh, and 5 touchdowns in 6 games. Tyler Johnson, you know, he's his concentration is a little suspect. I think it's kind of a red flag for me. Had such a great year last year, really expecting him to be one of the top wideouts in this year's draft class. But here's the problem that I have with Tyler Johnson. You know, he he makes the difficult catch look easy. But the lack of concentration on some of the easy, easy catches. I mean, when your quarterback Tanner Morgan is hitting you in stride on a slant route and the ball goes through your hands, obviously you've got an issue there with with the concentration. You know, but that's just one example. You know, running easy, open, wide open routes and the ball goes through his hands. You know, that uh, inconsistency is is absolutely a red flag. I don't care what type of routes. Like I said earlier, I don't care what type of routes you run. I don't care how fast you are. If you can't catch the football, you're not going to be in the league very long. Remember Stephen Hill? He was, I believe, a second-round pick of the of the New York Jets coming out of Georgia Tech. Vertical threat for days, had speed for days, 6'4", 6'5", just looked like a, you know, a gazelle running out there. Problem was, the guy couldn't catch. And that was really, you know, his downfall. Only played a couple of years in the league. So, you know, to me, Tyler Johnson... Um, you know, yes, he's an absolute, you know, can be a beast out there, a, a very uh, reliable receiver a season ago. Uh, you know, a, a guy who knows how to get open, runs his routes really well, can be a weapon in the red zone, but this season, not as, not as reliable. You know, he's a guy who, you know, is making the more defense, you know, the difficult catches, but let's focus on making the right catches, you know, even the easy ones, secure the ball, then look to get upfield. Um, that's something that I think he's going to have to, you know, prove me wrong, prove others wrong, um, you know, in terms of, of his, uh, his pass catching. A lot of people have him, uh, rated a lot higher than I do, uh, in this year's draft class. And I think a lot of that is going towards some of that, that flair for the dramatic, but that concentration, that's really what, what worries me for him. Now, Justin Jefferson Really having a breakout year. 6'3", 192 pounds out of LSU. He's kind of become one of Joe Burrow's favorite targets. He and Jamar Chase. Um, a season ago, 54 receptions, 875 yards, 6 touchdowns. Um, you know, Had two games over 100 yards, but uh, scored a touchdown in each of his last two two games of the season. And then you know, through uh, 6 games this year, 40 catches, over 600 yards, 8 touchdowns, 4 games over 100 yards. Uh, touchdown in all, you know, in all but one game, um, you know, and, and when you look at that, you think about what LSU has been doing and Justin Jefferson being the main target. Everyone's talking about Joe Burrow. Um, we'll get back to Justin Jefferson here in a second, but CD Lamb, let's get back to him real quick. Um, you know, I talked about him being the touchdown maker. He has scored a touchdown in every game 
this season. You know, when you think about that, you know, he's been the, the, the main gun, the, the, the target, but he hasn't always been, um, you know, the featured receiver this year, but he's a guy who just continues to build momentum. And, uh, you know, I'll stop talking about CD lamb now because, uh, um, you know, we're, we're talking about Justin Jefferson now, but, you know, really, a, a similar receiver, you know, six, three, one ninety two, uh, but very solidly built a guy who, uh, can run away from, from defenders, but also very physical runs through tackles. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things for me, um, that really stood out in the game against Florida, um, you know, going against uh, C.J. Henderson at times, also Marco Wilson. You know, he was really going up against some some top-notch corners, but uh, he was a guy who just always seemed to, on his in cuts, um, able to to find spots in the zone, ball thrown out in front of him. Uh, excellent catch and you know on the move and, and cutting up the field showed a, an ability to high point the football and haul it in um, right in front of Sean Davis the safety on another play um, you know crossing route from the slot uh, cut into the opening of the zone catch in stride um, tiptoed down the sideline 36 yards uh, fought through uh, Trey Dean on another play uh, you know to the inside um, right at. <clears throat> Right at the pylon, you know, seven yard. T- oh, that's that reminds me. It was a seven yard touchdown. Wound up opening up. He got to the got to the pylon. Kind of did a reverse pivot and opened himself up to Joe Burrow, who was running, uh, rolling out, and threw the ball to him and used his big body, shielded you know the defender away from the football. Ball was thrown to the outside towards the pylon. Extends for the football. Makes the catch. Before he's shoved out of the end zone. That ball did cross the plane. Ended up being a touchdown. That's just one of the things that you look at with him. His, his posi- the body positioning. Uh, the strength. The physicality. You know, his ability to. You know, he opens up. Shows the, res- the quarterback his numbers. You know, that reverse pivot. Really put that. You know, using a basketball style uh, move there. Really putting that, that defensive back on his back hip. And uh, allowing him to then go out and attack the football in the air. Look, if you want to make your make a, a name for yourself at the next level, you've got to be a guy who's attacking the football in the air. And that's one of the things that all of these guys that I've mentioned so far do very well. And they know how to use their body, especially the bigger receivers, know how to use their body uh, to position themselves uh, to make a play. Speaking of big bodies, here are two guys, very different points in their career who are, are two of my favorite players to watch. Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest and Michael Pittman out of USC. We'll start with Sage Surratt. He's a redshirt sophomore, only played two seasons for the Demon Deacons, 6'3", 215 pounds as a freshman, 41 catches, over you know 580 yards, four touchdowns. So far through six games this year, 46 catches, 711 yards, nine touchdowns, a touchdown in every game, much like uh, CD Lamb, four games with over 100 yards receiving. Uh, and you know, in the loss to Louisville this past past week, where Wake Forest went down, had their first defeat, uh, you know, to the hands of uh, their ACC rival there in in Louisville, uh, where they lost 62-59, 12 receptions, 196 yards, three touchdowns. This is a big-bodied kid. A guy on the outside, a guy, you know, a weapon in the red zone for sure, but a guy who can high point the football, a guy who has 
good speed to outrun guys on the outside. He's a guy who's just going to continue to get better and better. He's a guy right now I think would be a day two selection if we were to have the draft today and he comes out. But I I, I ho- am hoping that Sage Surratt sticks around for one more year. I think he'll be a first-round pick in next year's draft. He'll be one of the guys that we talk about as a top wideout for the 2021 draft. So I'm hoping that he does come back. But if he does come out, big physical guy. I'll be curious to see what he runs. If he runs sub 4-5, you know, we, we talked about the issues with uh, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chenault. Sage Surratt might be sliding up into that conversation. He's one of those bigger receivers who also has speed. I don't know. But I think if he and Jamie Newman come back to uh, to Wake Forest, and uh, they could do something special with, with Dave Clawson. Um, you know they're already doing a, a fantastic job there, uh, five and one on the year. Uh, but I, I think next year could definitely be their year as well. Now Michael Pittman, on the other hand, is a senior wide out there for USC, six four, two hundred twenty pounds, and uh, man, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, the, the game against Utah, 10 receptions, 232 yards, and a touchdown. He was a guy, this, you know, and you watch him last year, you watch him this year, um, high-pointing the football. A guy who's going to go up and attack the football in the air, gets late separation at times. Sometimes there's no separation, but he's going to climb the ladder and uh, the physicality after the catch. He's going to go up and out-muscle any defensive back in, in college football. I don't think there's anybody, if he's going to attack the football in the air, I don't know that there's a guy who's going to out-muscle him for a football. I don't know that there's anyone you know in the, uh, at the cornerback position at least that's going to out-muscle him as he's carrying the football. You better rally uh, on the back end if you want to bring this guy down. He's so strong, so physical. Uh, and look, you know, teams are really daring USC to run. BYU did it, Washington did it, Notre Dame did it. Those are the three losses for USC. Utah did not. They were looking to play man, and uh, ultimately Michael Pittman made him pay down the football field. But they're playing the two high safeties, a lot of uh, underneath routes, guys um, on the you know on the interior. They were allowing Amon Ra, St. Brown, and... Tyler Vaughn's to beat him. They were not going to let Michael Pittman get down the field. They were playing two high safeties and really shading his way the entire game. When you talk about receivers and you talk about respect, they were basically putting a game plan up to make sure that Michael Pittman was not going to beat them. If they're going to beat him, it's going to be with a run game. It's going to be with a shorter passing game. They're going to go to Amon Ross St. Brown. They're going to go to Tyler Vaughn's. Michael Pittman is not going to beat us. That's some respect. That's one of the things, if I'm looking at as a, as a defensive coordinator, this is the guy that I don't want to have beat me. There's something that he's doing right. There's something, when you talk about that, You know, that's something that teams should be taking notice of. And I, I think Michael Pittman should be a day two pick. He may fall to day, to day three, but I think he should be a day two pick. I think he'll probably end up being a third rounder possibly fall to the fourth round. If he falls any further than that, I think the NFL teams are crazy um, because I think Michael Pittman can absolutely play at the next level. And uh, he's another one who, because of his physicality, because he is so big, you know, you look at what Darren Waller's been able to do uh, at the tight end position. I look at Michael Pittman and his physicality, he's bigger than than safeties, he's bigger than corners, and he's faster than linebackers. Mismatch, you know, uh, 
across the board there. So, you know, if I'm Colin Johnson, Michael Pittman, you know what? I may look at uh, at that tight end position and see what uh, what I can do a la Darren Waller. Van Jefferson, guy that people haven't really been talking about too much, 6'297 pounds, uh, you know, was at Ole Miss for his first two years, transitioned to Florida uh, in his junior and senior seasons, uh, the, the son of former San, uh, San Diego Charger, Sean Jefferson. And, and I'll tell you what, look, Van Jefferson is just a, a polished polished wideout. This is a guy who, um, you know, not the most flashy guy by any means. And if you look at his numbers, they're not going to be eye popping, but you watch him. He's just a savvy veteran. And and that's one of the things I I look at him and and the way that he plays, you know, it's like watching Terry McLaurin play Um, a a guy that people didn't really talk about, but he's going to rise up draft boards. And here's the thing. If you watch him against LSU, he he was making guys look silly. I mean, he he had um, a couple of plays there where he just had Der- uh, uh, Derek Stingley, the the freshman, the the fantastic uh, freshman there for LSU, um, had him turned around. You know, there was a stutter off the line. You know, uh, release quick to the outside um, gets Stingley to actually turn his shoulders and square his shoulders to the sideline as if he's going to turn and run with him. And then he basically crosses and, and runs a quick slant instead really had Stingley turned around and, uh, you know, just an excellent, excellent route ended up running for, for 12 yards, um, on, on that particular reception, um, only a two yard touchdown on an, on another play, but, you know, planted, you know, Plant that that outside foot to the outside. Got uh, Daryl Stingley, or I'm sorry, Derek Stingley, um, shading to that side, and then cuts really quickly to the inside, and uh, was a hands catcher too. I mean, the ball was thrown out in front of him, catches with his hands, ends up taking a hit from my, uh, Michael Divinity um, on that touchdown. But uh, you know, both of his touchdowns, the other touchdown I believe was a seven or six six yard reception. And ball thrown out in front of him. You know, the second, the first touchdown was actually a back shoulder throw and uh, really extended for the football away from the defender um, and showed tremendous hands. So the route running ability, the way to set up his man, and he's going against some high level corners and was really making them, making them look silly at times with his route running. To me, I think Van Jefferson is, is one of the more underrated receivers in this year's draft class. And I think when it's all said and done, he's the guy who should be creeping up draft boards a little bit. Terry McLaurin went in round number three. I think Van Jefferson could be the same. Denzel Mims out of Baylor, you know, 6'3", 215 pounds, big time playmaker for, uh, for Baylor there. Uh, you know, Charlie Brewer, the quarterback, this is his go-to guy, 32 receptions, over 500 yards, five touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, really having another break, you know, breakout season, really, you know, as a freshman, 61 receptions, over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. Um, you know, kind of a, a down year for him, just under 800 yards as a sophomore. And, uh, you know, he, he's really having a breakout year in 2019, uh, a dynamic, dynamic playmaker out on the outside, um, you know, can be big, physical, high points of football, huge catch radius. Uh, he's a guy to keep an eye out for, as is Brian Edwards out of South Carolina, 6'3", 215 pounds. This is a guy, I feel like he's been at South Carolina forever. Uh, 196 receptions in his career, 
Um, you know, I, let's see what twenty eight hundred yards receiving, twenty touchdowns in his career. You know, Georgia no knew just what they were dealing with with uh, with uh, Brian Edwards. They were trying to take him away at times, um, but uh, at the end of the day, with that game, you know, Georgia. Uh, South, South Carolina ended up beating Georgia 20-17 to in double overtime. In that game, uh, Brian Edwards, six receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, you know, if I go to my notes here, you know, really you know, deep cross over the middle, uh, able to go down and haul in the pass. Uh, another play of the 46-yard touchdown, you know, an out and up. Um, beat the corner uh, with that double move and then showed the speed to go to the distance, but also very strong over the middle. That's one of the things that you're looking for. You know, guys that aren't afraid to go over the middle, guys that aren't going to get the alligator arms, hear the footsteps, very strong physical player. A guy is going to absorb contact. Unfortunately had an ankle injury there in the third quarter. Um, but he, he's somebody to me, I think is going to be a reliable target. And one of those guys who I think is going to be on an NFL roster for quite a long time, just because of his, his consistency at the position. Aaron Fuller out of Washington. A lot of people are really high on this guy. 5'11", 188 pounds. Um, let's see through seven games, 538 yards receiving five touchdowns have 14. Uh, let's see four touchdowns. I'm sorry. Uh, a season ago, Aaron Fuller, to me, you know, he has a flair for the, the the acrobatic catch, but he's another guy I've also seen him have quite a few drops. And it's one of those things to where Jacob Eason, you look at some of the completion percentage, and uh, he struggled with some drops with his receivers. And Aaron Fuller is, is one of those guys who, at times, he'll, he'll make a great catch. Um, you know, show some show off some good uh, separation, you know, from receiver or from the DB, but uh, he has his share of drops. And uh, you know, I think there was one catch that he had where it was a one arm, you know, one handed catch up over his head. Um, but again, ball hits him right in the hands and he drops it. You know, has had uh, his share of drops. That's going to be something that uh, is definitely going to be cause for concern. Now, Miles Boykin really kind of blew up at the combine. You know, was a guy who was really a downfield threat for Notre Dame, one of my favorite uh receivers in last year's draft. You have Chase Claypool this year, 6'4, 229 there for Notre Dame, just under 400 yards receiving this year with four touchdowns through six games to this point. Another big bodied receiver. I just don't think he has the explosiveness that Miles Boykin does. Um, he's a guy who's going to be more of a possession receiver, not really a guy who can stretch the defenses. Um you know, big body guy. He's another guy who I could see transitioning to tight end. I mean, he's already 6'4", 230 pounds. You know, he has Darren Waller uh, written all over. I mean, that's the thing. The, the way that the game is going, you know, some of these tight, bigger tight ends. You look at uh, Evan Ingram is another example, a guy who's just a big, really a big wide receiver. And uh, Darren Waller was a receiver at Georgia Tech. So I think that's why some of these bigger receivers, you know, it's really easy to talk about, hey, possibly transitioning to the tight end position. Um and I'll give you one, uh, two final names in the, at the wide receiver position. Uh, the first one's going to be James Prochet out of SMU, six foot, 193 pounds. Uh, Prochet is is a, a guy who is honestly the model of consistency. You know, a guy who just always seems to be making plays for for SMU. Um, going through my notes to see if I can find. You no, know, I ended up watching a game of his here not that long ago. 
but I think it was last week. In any event, this is a guy who has absolute, you know, really good ball con um, body control in the air, um, very sudden with his route running, able to separate over the top, um, deep out route, you know, snapping off the route, you know, really does a good job flattening his route, um, you know, and, uh, you know, making it easy for the for the quarterback to, to deliver the football to him, um, you know, I just see my notes over and over. Excellent route, excellent route, excellent feet. Able to leap and high point the football. Good body control around the sideline. Um, you know, Prochet, you know, look, you know, he, he was there all four years um, there at SMU making plays. Uh, just under 1,200 yards receiving a season ago with 12 touchdowns. Through six games this year, 45 catches, 525 yard, 29 yards, seven touchdowns. He's going to go over 1,000 yards for the second year in a row, catching passes from Shane Bouchelle. Uh, 235 receptions in his career for over 3,200 yards and 31 touchdowns. Prochet, to me, is a guy, you know, he probably isn't going to be a day two pick. He'll probably be a guy right around the, you know, day early to, you know, probably early day three, uh, fourth, fifth round range, but a guy who I think could be, um, a, a playmaker for an NFL franchise. Uh, don't sleep on James Prochet. And then finally, Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty, the Flames. Uh, Hugh Freeze, you know, this is one of the the, the nation's leading receivers. Um, you know, 34 catches, 728 yards. That's 21.4 yards per reception and five touchdowns. He had 71 catches uh, last year, he's already halfway there to that point, um, almost already eclipsing the, the 1,037 yards he had from a season ago and 10 touchdowns. Had four 100-yard receptions a season ago. I'm sorry, 400. Uh, yeah, four 100-yard uh, games a season ago, two of which went for 200 yards. So far this year, uh, 100 yards in four of the six games. Six four, 220 pounds. A guy who is again another big-bodied receiver, but a guy who is very smooth. Has a huge catch radius. A guy who's going to be a weapon in in the uh, in the red zone for you, but a guy who you know has the body control along the sideline, works the sidelines very well. A guy who isn't afraid to go over the middle, and a guy who can make plays down the field as well. He, he's from one of the smaller schools in FBS, but a guy that you really want to watch. Um, you know, Buckshot Calvert, uh, Stephen Calvert, his quarterback. Um, you know, he and, and Gandy Golden having really a, a nice year there for, for the Liberty Flames. Someone to really keep an eye out for as the season progresses. Uh, I figure he'll be in um, some of the all-star games. You know, hopefully he'll get an invite to the Senior Bowl. I really want to see what he would do against some of the top flight uh, corners um, at, at the Senior Bowl. That's really where some of these guys from some of the smaller schools can really make some money uh, at the next level. So those are the receivers that I really wanted to talk about. And I'm leaving out guys like Devin Duvernay. Uh, Duvernay was a guy, you know, he, you know, well, let's talk about him. You know, De Devin Duvernay, when Colin Johnson went out, he really put the team on his back. I think he had a, a 16 uh, reception day. Um, you know, he, nine receptions a game leads uh, FBS receivers. Um, you know, sudden as a kick returner, um, very reliable target, um, a weapon, you know, over the middle, uh, very sudden with his route running, um, you know, excellent balance through contact and down the sideline. Um, 5'11", 210 pounds, very solidly built, 
and uh, a guy for me, I, I think he's going to be someone to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, probably a day day three pick, but uh, somebody who I think can end up uh, helping an NFL team. So those are the receivers. Now that we've gotten everything, there's some other receivers that I'm leaving out there, um, but we'll make sure to, to circle back um, as the season progresses, talk about some of the additional receivers. So what I saw this last weekend, week seven, um, so that's the week of, of October 5th. Um, I'm sorry, that not the week of October 5th. Starting October 9th, uh, Wednesday, October 9th, uh, Appalachian State and uh, Louisiana Lafayette, um, or Louisiana as they're really known by now. Uh, 17 to 7 winners, the uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers. Um, really, the guy that I was watching was uh, Davis Gaither. That's uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, had 10 tackles. A half a sack, two and a half tackles for loss. He just flies around to the football. He's only 6'2", 215 pounds. But, uh, you know, someone who is very, just so athletic. He's got tremendous length um, and good instincts. Just seems to really be flying to the the ball. You know, excellent range, sideline to sideline. There was a screen to the receiver. Was able to run inside the receiver block. Inside out, able to drop the the receiver for a loss behind the back, you know, in, in the backfield, uh, ran in phase um, down the field, making a play. Uh, read a screenplay as well. Just really, you know, no uh, no hesitation. Came straight down. The problem was he didn't really um, didn't break down. Ultimately, ended up missing the tackle. Uh, but he likes to stick his nose in the hole, gets low, wraps up the, the the running back. In this case, it was Elijah Mitchell, really planted him on the ground. Uh, Davis Gaither is going to be a guy, probably going to be a mid-day three pick, but one of those linebackers who can be a, a three-down linebacker because he can drop into coverage. He can rush the quarterback a little bit, excellent against the run, scrapes over the top uh, you know, to make plays on the outside. Um you know, he's a little undersized, but that's okay. You know, that's really where where the game's going. A lot of these undersized linebackers, um, you know, are, are guys that NFL teams are really taking a look at. Um, you know, running back wise, Trey Regis, he's only a junior, 5'10", 220 pounds. I think he's coming back uh, for the Raging Cajuns. He and Elijah Mitchell, who's 5'11", 217 pounds. You know, Elijah Mitchell shows that he has some uh, uh, a burst, also some physicality, but he's kind of stiff in the hips. I look at Trey Regis. Um, he's really the guy that I like watching play. You know, the vision to see the hole open up, uh, puts his foot in the ground, no real wasted movement, bursts through the hole. Really a one cut and go type of a guy. Um, Trey Regis, really fun to watch. Number nine there for uh, the Raging Cajuns. Now for Appalachian State, Victor Johnson, the 6'5, 295 pound left tackle, uh, does a good job generating movement in the running game. Uh, to some degree, you know, pad level gets too high though in the passing game. He's he's a raw tackle, probably going to be a late day three pick. Um, going to be more of a developmental prospect than anything else. Uh, NC State taking on Syracuse. NC State with the win, sixteen to ten. Really wanted this is my first chance to see uh, Larell Murchison. Um, you know, six six tackles, two sacks in the game, um, showing in a short area burst to close to the quarterback. Uh, was beating the left tackle off the edge, really using his hands to get off the block. I think that's one of the things that stood out to me was his ability to um, to use those hands, kind of toss the left tackle aside at times, 
um, turning the corner, chasing after the quarterback, showing excellent effort. Had six, sack, you know, six sack in the game, which was tied for the most in the ACC. Um, so Lorel Murchison is a guy whose you know draft stock is continuing to to rise, in my opinion. Um, and then I watched Alton Robinson and, and Kendall Coleman uh, play. These are two guys. You know, you're waiting for them to really have a breakout game, but you know, you watch the two of them. You know, Coleman had a half a sack. Uh, quarterback hurry, Robinson, two tackles, a tackle for loss, and a, and a quarterback hurry as well. Um, you know, with Robinson, you know, he, he uses the rip move, um, very quick, turned in the corner, um, flattens out, getting to the quarterback pretty quickly. Very athletic guy. Um, you know, excellent effort. Um, what was really crazy it was a, it was a twelve second play, um, and really the quarterback was kind of running around uh, Bailey uh, Bailey Hawkman. Ultimately, Kendall Coleman was able to chase him down and and hit him as he throws. But Alton Robinson, I think, ended up on the ground twice during the play and was still pursuing the quarterback. So excellent effort, which is what you, what you want to see. Um, let's see, you know, bench press a tight end. Um, on the edge and was able to come off and drop the, the running back for no gain there at the line. Um, so he can play the run, does a good job chopping the right tackle's hands and then able to rip through to get to the quarterback in a hurry. Um, just seemed to be a step slow um, getting to the quarterback. And then Kendall Coleman, um, you know, chasing down the, the, the quarterback from behind, um, you know, does a good job really, you know, pursuing the, the football from the backside. Um, ran a stunt, really looped around, shot the gap, um, and that's where he chased down the quarterback for a sack. Crashes down uh, on, the, on the ball carrier and then uh, ultimately spun back outside to drop the running back uh, for no gain. Uh, those are two guys to, to really keep an eye out for. For Syracuse, um, Virginia taking on Miami, uh, Hurricanes. With the upset win, 17-9. In this game, Bryce Hall, who I think is one of the top four or five corners in this draft, um, was out um, on on the punt cover team and uh, got rolled up on and fractured his ankle. He's out for the year. Uh, but really, a, you know, a guy who can play both in press and zone, uh, led the, the nation a season ago in passes defended, and uh, 6'1", 200 pounds, you know, it's one of those things when I look at guys, you know, I, I used to look at some of these injuries and say, all right, well, a guy like Miles Jack or Jalen Jalen Smith, they had those ACL injuries. They fell to round number two. But you look at a guy like like Jeffrey Simmons, you know, a guy who was talked about in the top half of round number one, tears his knee. Is he going to be available? Um, not playing at all in 2019. And guess what? He was still taken in round number one. I think Bryce Hall probably going to be taken, you know, in in the back half of round number one. But I think, you know, if I'm Christian Fulton, if I'm Jeffrey Okuda, um, and, and Paulson Adebo, possibly even Sean Wade, kind of moving up a little bit, possibly passing him, possibly even C.J. Henderson. Although I think Bryce Hall. Uh, might get the nod over C.J. Henderson because Henderson has excellent cover skills, but he doesn't really tackle. That's something that we're going to talk about when we talk about the LSU game. But you know, Bryce Hall to me, just a guy that you want to have out on your football team, on your football team, a guy who shows excellent effort. Um, you know, playing in on special teams as well as as on on defense. Um, speaking to guys who play um, on both uh, special teams and really on offense, in this case is is Joe Reed. 
there for, for Virginia. Didn't talk about him when we were talking about receivers. 6'1", 215 pounds, very athletic in space. Told you there was going to be run, you know, wide receivers that we leave out. But I think Joe Reed's a, a guy who could surprise end up moving into day two, but I think he'll be an early day three pick. Does an excellent job working back to the football. Um, you know, when he catches the ball in, in space, uh, can really plant and 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 cut to to avoid block, uh, def- avoid defenders, and uh, can make some plays. You know, Jordan Mack, 6'2", 230 pound inside linebacker, does a really good job blitzing the quarterback through the a gap. Um, so he's a blitzer, plays the run really well. Um, the big question mark for him is coverage. Can he drop into coverage? Um, I think that's the same thing for for Charles Snowden, the 6'7", 235-pound junior line outside linebacker. Um, I thought he did a really good job reading the screen, came downhill, um, and uh, ultimately wasn't able to, to drop the running back for a loss, but ultimately shoved him um, or really slowed him down for, for the other linebacker. I think it was actually Jordan Mack who's, who uh, got the tackle for loss on, on the, uh, the running back. But uh, Charles Snowden showing excellent instincts. Uh, explodes off the edge to rush the passer. Um, you know, able to chase down DJ Dallas from behind for tackle for loss in the backfield as well. Um, so I, I think Charles Snowden is the guy to watch, but I, I think he could probably use another year of seasoning, but because of his athleticism, could very well end up coming out. Um, talked about Oregon and their big win. Justin Herbert uh, just really did an excellent job throwing where the pressure Pressure was coming from really if if the blitz was coming off the off the left hand side that's where he was going with the football delivering just actual absolute dimes you know rolling to his left rolling to his right squaring his shoulders to his targets putting the ball away from coverage um, big athletic guy you know um, you know thirty eight games in his career with a touchdown um, you know just a guy who. You know, showed touch on the corner route, dropping the ball um, over the shoulder for for his receiver in front of the safety and and over the head of the of the of the linebacker. Uh, Justin Herbert really establishing himself as a a top two or three quarterback and uh, should end up being a, a top ten, uh, top twelve pick when it's all said and done. How about Davion Taylor, 6'2", 225 pound senior uh, safety linebacker hybrid. Very athletic, a guy who ran a 10-500 meter, so he's uh, all Pac-12 sprinter. Uh, ch- actually chased down C.J. Verdell in a 72-yard run. Um, excellent speed, and I think that's one of the things. You know, he has some pretty good instincts at the linebacker position, but speed kills, and that's one of the things that I think Davion Taylor is going to get drafted a lot higher than much. Pe- you know, a lot of people expect. Steven Montez struggled mightily in this game. Uh, 6'5", 230-pound quarterback, threw four interceptions on four consecutive plays. Not all of them were his fault, um, but at the end of the day, just not making a lot of the throws that you wanted to see from him. Um, you know, And he, he's one of those guys that needs to have a, a good back half of the, uh, of the season, especially if some of those juniors decide that they're going to come back for their, their senior season. Uh, Steven Montez has a chance to, to move up, especially with the way that, that Nate Stanley, Shea Patterson have played this year. Um, but Steven Montez, you know, playing against uh, the Pac-12's top, uh, you know, top team, you know, in my opinion, uh, really struggled to make plays. And that, that's really concerning 
uh, going forward for him in terms of his draft stock. Um, I know he's not a uh, draft eligible this year, but Panay Sewell, 6'6", 325-pound sophomore, um, hadn't had a, a penalty called on him or given up a sack um, in his career until he finally got called for a holding penalty um, in this game, actually. But just an easy mover, a guy who has such light, you know, he's so light on his feet, very, you know, quick choppy steps in, in pass protection, able to mirror to, uh, the, the defensive end on the outside, quick power step to the inside to wall off an inside rush, um, generates incredible movement off off the football you know with the with that leg drive he and Shane Lemieux the guard uh work very very well together Lemieux um I think is a top five guard some people don't have him rated as 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 high because he does struggle with speed at times in the passing game but very athletic as well able to pull around find the linebacker in the hole get some kick out blocks on the outside has good hips to seal off uh seal off the linebacker uh as well um, Calvin Throckmorton to me, I thought might be the, the outside of obviously Sewell, but the top draft eligible tackle. Uh, one of the things for me with Throckmorton, you know, he, he's played both tackle positions, a guard position and, uh, and the center center spot. Um, but I, I think he does struggle at times with speed, uh, plays with good leverage, definitely power in the powerful in the running game. Actually drove his man into the end zone on a first and goal play from the second uh, from the two yard line. Just really drove the defensive end all the way in into the end zone and ultimately buried him. Um, very physical there. Um, you know can mirror a little bit. Has some good mirror skills. Some decent uh, lateral quickness. But again, he's going to get beaten at times with with some speed. But uh, I think he, you know he's his home is going to be at right tackle. He's got good pop in his hands. Really can can be a a road grader um, at the right tackle position and uh, a guy who has excellent experience. Uh, Jake Hansen, um, you know, six five, two ninety five. The center played in. You know, this is his forty third start. Um, just played with excellent leverage. You know, he was going up against the nose tackle, uh, the the big kid Jalen Sam uh, Sami, the the nose tackle, got under his pad level and basically just put him on his back in, in the run game. You know, just looks to finish you every chance he gets uh so so jake hansen a guy for me at the center position he's one of the top four centers in this year's draft you know obviously you have beatus you have uh creed humphrey daryl williams of mississippi state is right in in that conversation as well um but i think jake hansen is right there i think people are kind of overlooking him a little bit now in this game we lost two um, two playmakers, you know, one is a sophomore, uh, Javon Holland. Um, he went down to injury, uh, a knee injury, but the bigger, bigger injury was Jacob Breland, the 6'5", 250 pound senior tight end, um, left knee injury, uh, out for the year. Uh, and this was a guy who was just showing speed, um, and ability to get down the field, be a weapon, be a go-to target, really the favorite target of Justin Herbert this year, and actually showed improvement as a blocker as well. He was really having the makings of, of one of the top uh, tight ends in this year's draft. We'll see how that knee holds up, what he's able to do, how quickly he's able to recover, um, but I thought that you know that, that knee injury kind of hurt a little bit in terms of, uh, of his overall draft stock um, because we won't be able to see him really for the remainder of the year. Um, in the OU Texas Red River rivalry, 
It was really a fun game to watch. 34-27. Alex Grinch's defense was really the story. And I think when you talk about that defense, two guys came to mind. Neville Gallimore, the senior uh, senior at the nose, uh, the nose guard position. Uh, speed, man. He was beating Zach Shackelford left and right. Speed to just beat him inside off the ball. Very quick to get to the quarterback. Got a sack on one play. Um, drove... Um, Shackelford back off the football, showing some good speed to power. Um, beat uh, Parker Braun, the, the guard, who I think is one of the better guards in this year's draft, with a quick move, a quick arm over. That's really his go-to you know, coming off the football, but also has that power to drive guys back into the backfield. Neville Gallimore, to me, is a day-two pick at, uh, at the defensive tackle position. Uh, then there's Kenneth Murray. You know, in the first half, you know, he, he kind of disappeared in the second half at times. But in the first half, he just showed some very, you know, some improved play, I, I thought. You know, he was a volume tackler a season ago, but he was also, you know, the gap integrity is really what he struggled with. But there's no questioning this guy's speed. You know, the speed to get to the outside, there's really no hesitation. Reading the run play, getting to the outside to the perimeter, and, you know, he was covering from the opposite side. He was really on the other side of the line. Play, you know, was going to the opposite sideline. And he was able to pursue that play, get all the way to that to that opposite sideline and make a play on the football um, right around the line of scrimmage. Uh, to me, Kenneth Murray, 6'2", 234-pound junior, is a, is a top three inside linebacker in, uh, in this year's draft should he decide to come out. Uh, mentioned Parker Braun. I thought you know he had a decent game overall. 6'3", 300 pound senior. Excellent power in his hands. Uh, does a really good job sustaining his block in the running game, keeping those hands inside. Decent lateral quickness off of football as well. Got beat a couple of times, um, but I thought he played with a wide base. Good job, you know, popping up and and uh, pulling around as a lead blocker, sealing a uh, uh, sealing off the edge. Really sealed off Ronnie Perkins on a two yard touchdown run. Uh, in, in that game as well, um, you know Sam Ellinger. Look, you know he 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 struggled at times in that game. Six three, two hundred thirty pounds. But I, I talked I talked about it a week ago. Just the grit, the determination, real gutsy performance. And he's just he's so tough. A guy who just you know he pulls the ball, tucks it, and runs, and just showed some some physicality whenever he was running with the football. Um, just really a lot of a lot of fun for me to watch him play. Um, let's see other games. What else can we talk about here? Um, Giovanni Ricci, the, the tight end out of Western, Western Michigan, got to watch, uh, Western Michigan play 38, 16 winners over the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks. Giovanni Ricci, 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, this is a guy who I think probably might end up being an H back at the next, uh, next level. Um, but uh, 27 receptions, second in the MAC, and uh, six receiving touchdowns leads the MAC, and uh, you know I think was actually tops among uh, FBS tight ends at one point. Um, but uh, pretty good pass catcher, um, you know, and, and a decent blocker, a little undersized, you know, which is why I'm thinking if he's going to transition to the next level, it'd be at the H back position. Um, and then uh, Levante Bellamy, the 5'9", 190 pound senior running back. Uh, 22 carries, 135 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Um, eight touchdowns on the year, leads the MAC. 
uh, just an explosive, uh, explosive runner. You know, had three games over 100 yards so far this season. Sixth leading rusher in the FBS. Very quick acceleration. Gets the the top end speed uh, in the open field in a hurry. Uh, pretty good vision. Puts his foot in the ground and you know very sudden with his his movements. Very quick feet on on his cutbacks. Um, so Levante Bellamy. You know, one of those running backs is going to kind of fly under the radar, but a guy who can end up making an NFL roster. Um, mentioned South Carolina beating Georgia 20-17. to 17. Uh, I, I think Rodrigo Blankenship is going to get drafted. Uh, I hope that team's, you know, look at this game. Yes, he did miss the, the field goal that ultimately, you know, gave the Gamecocks the win, but I think Rodrigo Blankenship uh, could end up being a, a sixth-round pick in the draft. I think he's been consistent up to this point. Um, Andrew Thomas, again, proving that he's the top tackle in the draft, 6'5", 320 pound junior, um, leg drive in the generating movement in the run game has some long arms, very easy mover, uh, laterally, good lateral agility, mirroring, uh, you know, the defensive end, standing the defensive end up, uh, as well. Um, you know, the, the change of direction though, he's just so quick with his, his change of direction skills, um, you know, quick choppy steps in pass protection as well uh, really stands out. Uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, seven yards per carry, you know, which is first in the SEC. Um, the leg drive, I think, was one of the things that you definitely saw. You know, very physical, breaking tackles, excellent balance, bursts through the hole, spins through contact, um, and then also a pass catcher. Soft hands catching footballs out of the backfield. 5'9", 215 pounds. He's, to me... Uh, along with Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne, one of the top three running backs in this year's draft. Um, let's see, Jake Fromm, you know, 28 of 51, 295 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions, really uncharacteristic, hadn't thrown an interception in the season, threw three of them, all of them ended up going to one guy, Israel Mukwamu, uh, who had a 53-yard Interception for touchdown. The 6'4", 205-pound sophomore. He's only a sophomore. That's a name to watch in 2021. Just tremendous length, um, tremendous ball skills, instincts, able to uh, jump routes and uh, and undercut passes. Um, you know, baited Jake Fromm into throwing some picks. Um, you know, Fromm, though, the poise in the pocket, his ability to read defenses, uh, understanding where to go with the football, the ball placement, the anticipation. I still think Jake Fromm is a first-round quarterback. I think when it's all said and done, you look at what he can do uh, with the ball in his hands, and uh, I, I think he's you know he's not going to wow you with a lot of the um, the athleticism, you know, which is why his stock could fall, and he may fall into day two. Um, but the the intangibles. Um, have to account for something. You know, it's one of the things that everyone talked about with Daniel Jones. Is Daniel Jones was a a product of uh, of David Cutcliffe, his ability to read defenses, know where to go with the football at all times, and Jake Fromm can absolutely do that. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, the six six three hundred ten pound defensive tackle. You know, if you haven't gotten to watch number three for South Carolina, um, you've got to put on some tape. You'll be in for a treat. This is a guy. Um, Speed to power, so physical up front. The speed to power, the bull rush, just drove the right guard all the way back into the quarterback's lap. Um, I think, you know, he stuns the the, off, the, the interior lineman with his hands. Um, shows a pretty good quickness as well. Uses 
uh, a nice rip or, or arm over to, to get to the quarterback, rushing the passer. You know, to me, if, if you're looking for a defensive tackle and you're talking about first rounders, they've got to be able to both rush the passer and play the run. Javon Kinlaw, to me, is the number two defensive tackle at this point behind Derek Brown. Number two, number three, I got to watch against Clemson, uh, and that's uh, Marvin Wilson. Clemson did beat the Seminoles 45-14, but I thought Marvin Wilson uh, just showed a really good job you know, with, with his, his speed. Quick burst off the ball, arm over to beat the center off the off the football. Showed a good job keeping his balance. Left guard tried to cut uh, cut him, able to keep his balance. Got a, a hand up in the passing lane to knock the pass down. Um, you know, very quick burst into the backfield, then pursued down the line to ultimately disrupt the play as well. Um, didn't really get to the quarter uh, to the quarterback like you're you're expecting him to uh, against Louisville. Ten tackles. Three and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, really put him on the map. That was September 21st. Since then, we haven't seen the consistency with him that I think Javon Kinlaw, but at the same time, I think Marvin Wilson is a guy who's going to be in consideration for a a first-round pick. So let's see. Uh, Hamza Nazaruddin, the safety, 6'4", 215 pounds. Um, Picked up the running back out of the backfield. Um, you know, can't basically coming across the field and and picked him up. Um, you know, showed excellent range there as well. Uh, got downhill to get to the quarterback, um, hitting the quarterback on on an option play. Quarterback rollout to the right. Um, tried to hit the the receiver up the sideline. Um, and Hamsa ultimately undercut the route. So. Uh, Trevor Lawrence rolling out before he ends up going out of bounds, ended up throwing the ball down the field. Um, really didn't get all of it on, you know, everything on the throw. Would have underthrown, uh, I think it was Amari Rodgers down the sideline. But what Hamsa did, he was in between, the obviously, the quarterback and the receiver, kind of undercut the route. And he had actually stepped out of bounds, was able to get back in bounds, establish control, um, you know, establish you know himself in the, the field of play, and then extended for the football. Ball was thrown pretty much almost out of bounds and was extending for it. Had his toes inbound. Excellent body control. This guy's a tremendous athlete. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. He's kind of that new wave safety linebacker combo. Um, but I think if you're talking about that uh, that position, um, Isaiah Simmons, 6'4", 230 pounds. This guy's going to be a top 10 pick. Uh, exceptional range. Um, it was just absolutely ridiculous in this game. Um, you know, his ability to play sideline to sideline, uh, quarterback flush from the pocket, rolled left, uh, showed quick close. You know, we're talking about, you know, guys making plays. We talked about Kenneth Murray playing them from one side to the other. He was spying the quarterback on the complete opposite side of the, of the line. Quarterback was flushed out. Like I said, rolled to the left. He was on the right side of the line. Pursued the quarterback all the way across, had that burst to the outside, hit the quarterback's arm as he was trying to throw. Uh, to me, Isaiah Simmons, um, that prototypical you know linebacker that you're going to be looking for, that new wave linebacker. Eight tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, and a fumble recovery in the game. Um, to me, he was the he was the standout of the of the game overall. You know, Travis Etienne, 
you know, when I watch him play, you know, he shows that, you know, the ability to explode down the field, you know, get through holes, spins through contact, shows some pretty good balance. You know, and I have that. I have explodes through holes, ran through tackles, um, you know, gets to the second level, you know, 17 carries, 127 yards. And it's one of those things. It's just, that's the norm for Travis Etienne. You know, 5'10", 210 pounds. You don't think of him being physical, but I thought you know, he had some physical runs in that game to go along with the speed. Um, Alabama, we talked about what the receivers were doing. Uh, Jedrick Wilkes, um, the, the right tackle, uh, showed really good power in his hands. Very physical guy on, on the right-hand side. Alex Leatherwood showing lateral quickness. Um, you know, showing a good job, you know, really, sh- uh, that power step to the inside to wall off the defensive end on an inside rush, then very fluid hips, um, to get to the second level, um, on, on another play and then taking really good angles on his kick slide. I thought that he did a really good job sliding, getting, you know, really wall- cutting off the, the defensive end and then sitting down in pass protection, setting his feet and, uh, really anchoring, getting underneath the pad level, um, you know, I, I thought Alex Leatherwood um, solidifying himself as one of the top tackles in this year's draft, 6'6", 310 pounds. I think going into the year, um, I mentioned he's a, he was a guy that I was kind of expecting to play guard at the next level, but he's really established, established himself and shown and proven that he can play tackle. Um, you know, Raekwon Davis, I think you know, he's one of those guys, you know, 6'7", 312 pounds, looks the part. He's really showing you know, that he... Uh, can be disruptive. You know, he, he quickly uh, shows this arm over and bursts to get, you know, to shoot through the A gap. Then he's able to really kind of extend that, you know, long arm, the the, the tackle, putting that, you know, long arm right into the, um, into the shoulder of the, of the offensive tackle and, and really able to use that to turn the corner on the outside, uh, showing an ability to play both the run and the pass. Uh, Raekwon Davis really, um, continuing to to show more and more promise, and a guy that uh, I think is really starting to turn some heads. Um, you know, a, a guy who I thought really was a, you know underplayed things uh, a season ago, uh, underachieved, and uh, really having a breakout year this year. Um, Notre Dame, USC, USC going down to the Fighting Irish, thirty to twenty-seven. Uh, Cole Komet, you know, he had the the collarbone injury, was out for four games. Uh, 6'5", 250 pounds, really got to watch him. Um, the route running was impressive. You know, I, I thought that he um, showed excellent balance um, through contact, uh, ran a really nice wheel stop uh, to separate from the linebacker on a nine-yard uh, nine yard run. Uh, I'm sorry, nine-yard pass reception. Um, excellent blocker. I think that's one of the things that we, we already knew about Cole Komet, but he really showed... Uh, some good athleticism, and uh, I think that kind of established him as a top four or five tight ends in this year's draft, and he can only continue to improve as he gets more games under his belt. Um, Julian Aquara, uh, the 6'4", 248-pound um, stand-up rush end, um, very quick to flip his hips, uh, turning the corner, beating the right tackle off the edge, um, chasing down the quarterback, from behind in the pocket, you know, I, I thought that was you know really impressive as well. Khalid Kareem, the 6'4", 265 pounder, you know, you've got the speed from Aquara. I think you got more physicality coming from Kareem, so I think they complement each other really well. 
really well there for Notre Dame. Uh, I thought Tommy Kramer proved to be one of the top guards in the draft. 6'5", 319 pounds, uh, really able to get out and pull, showed his own where, uh, you know, well there. Um, kick out block on, on uh, Christian Rector, um, really getting out to the left and uh, got a uh, pulling and, and got a nice kick out block there. You know, I think that's one of the things. He's, he's one of the better guards on the move, and that's really what stood out to me there. Um, and then finally, we talked about LSU in Florida a little bit already. Joe Burrow just, you know, 21-24, 293, and three touchdowns. Just really knows where to go with the football. You saw the anticipation. Receivers were getting out of their breaks, and the ball was there. You know, just really throwing his receivers open, allowing them to make plays after the catch. Uh, Grant Delpit. Um, making plays all over the place. This is why he's going to be a top five pick in my estimation. Tight coverage on receivers and, and tight ends. There was an excellent hit that he had on, on Kyle Pitts, who is going to be a first rounder. Mark my words, he'll be a first rounder in next year's draft. Uh, the 6'6", 240 pound sophomore tight end is just a, a miss, you know, mismatch uh, on, on the outside. But, but Delpit was basically playing in the right up the the, the hash and uh, Pitts kind of ran a, a a skinny post and made the catch and as he's starting to turn to make a football move, Delpit comes in delivers a huge hit. Uh, ultimately, kind of shook him up a little bit on the play, but uh, lodged the ball free. Um, you know, showed showed an ability. You know, like I said, playing in the box, coming downhill. Dropping running backs in the backfield. Um, mentioned the the cover skills. You know he was playing center field on another play. You know, uh, you know middle of the field quarterback with a pump to the outside. Really reads the route, anticipates the throw. Starts to break before the quarterback even throws. Quarterback gets hit as he throws and comes over the top, nearly you know nearly intercepting the pass. You know, like I said, you know in the box, beat the running back, drop the uh, the quarterback in the backfield for no gain. Um, another play, quarterback run to the outside, plays with outside leverage, gets to the outside, forces uh, the quarterback at inside, and uh, got him over to Patrick Queen, who ultimately dropped him for no gain. Um, Grant Delpit, phenomenal player. Uh, Kalevan Chason, um, first chance I've gotten to see him play in a while. 6'4", 250-pound junior, so athletic. You know, he had three tackles for loss and a sack, a guy who just bends so well coming off the edge. You know, there was one where he kind of had this arc and really just ran around uh, uh, Storm Forsyth, the the left tackle. And just the way he just kind of contorted his body as he was making the, um, running that arc. And ultimately, as he's getting closer to the quarterback, getting around that arc, it forced Storm Forsyth to, to hold him. Um, gets really low um, coming off the edge as well. I thought that was really impressive watching the way watching him uh, turn the corner. Uh, you know, Christian Fulton, the six foot two hundred pound corner, one of the top two or three corners in the draft. Bail technique against Tyree Cleveland, the big wide receiver on the outside. Ultimately got on top of the route, eyes on the quarterback, stride for stride with the receiver. Ultimately able to elevate. You know, There's no way the receiver's coming down with the football there. Um, uh, Michael P. Ryan really struggling to, um, you know, he worked hard for for his uh, you know, few yards 
that he would get on on the run plays. You know, 17 carries for 65 yards, but he did have two receptions for 12 yards and a touchdown. Um, I just like the way Michael P. Ryan runs. He always runs hard, always working hard for extra yards. Uh, 5'11", 218 pounds. The junior can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. I think his draft stock should improve. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the 5'8", 209, showed a tremendous burst through the hole. Uh, the lateral quickness. There was a uh, you know a guy in the backfield and uh, showing the the jump cut to avoid him. There was another play that where he ultimately scored. Uh, linebacker in the hole, jump cut, gets to the outside, shoots through another gap and into the end zone. Um, a, a guy. He's only a junior, but uh, Edwards Hilaire. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he decides to come out and enter the draft. He'll be one of those guys that people are talking about, and you'll see his draft stock really rise. I gotta put him in my top ten now at this point. I really don't care. Um, you know, I, I gotta get him in my top ten. 13 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. First chance I got to watch him really play this year, and uh, I was impressed. You know, especially against that Florida, um, Florida defense. Um, so those were really the, the the guys that stood out to me on the games that I got to watch. So. Last thing that we're going to go ahead and do before we go ahead and call it a podcast, we're going to take a look at week eight. What matchups you know, should we be keeping an eye out for? What am I going to be watching? Um, you know, If we look at it, Clemson going to Louisville. Louisville coming off the 62-59 win uh, against Wake Forest. Uh, can they hand Clemson their first loss one week after handing the Demon Deacons their first loss? OU playing host to West Virginia. It's homecoming for Jalen Hurts and company. Uh, tune in and watch Hurts and C.D. Lamb and, con- and company just have a field day there against West Virginia. Neil Brown's team, you know, they're they're another year or two away before really making an impact there in the Big 12. Uh, Wisconsin at, at Illinois. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to run all over that Illinois defense. Um, let's see, Iowa taking on Purdue. I just like to watch Iowa play to really get a, a chance to watch Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle. Um, Houston against, uh, against Connecticut. You know, it's on ESPNU. It's an 11 o'clock game. Doesn't seem to be all that exciting on paper, but when you talk about Houston, you're watching the left tackle, Josh Jones. I think one of the better tackles. So fluid, 6'7", 310 pounds, very athletic. And then UConn, I haven't had a chance to watch Matt Pert uh, play yet, the 6'7", offensive tackle there. Um, But I definitely want to tune in and watch that game. Um, I hope you get to uh, check it out. If not, then stay tuned uh, for next week's podcast as I go ahead and break him down just a little bit. So we move forward, LSU going into Starkville to take on Mississippi State, see what Joe Burrow uh, can, and company can do against that Mississippi State defense. Uh, Pac-12 matchup, two ranked teams, Oregon heading up to Seattle to take on Washington. I think Oregon has the momentum. You're going to see them running a lot more behind that offensive line, but that's what makes makes Oregon so dangerous is they also have Justin Herbert throwing the football. If this team played against Auburn again, um, you know, I, I think uh, Oregon would have a field day against Auburn. Um, that's just my opinion. Let's see. Uh, Michael Warren, uh, the, one of the more underrated running backs in the country, uh, and, and the 21st-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats taking on Tulsa. Tulsa's defense is, is no slouch. Um, with Cooper Edmiston and uh, Zaven Collins there at the linebacker position. Uh, Baylor 
heading to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Upset alert there. The 18th ranked Baylor Bears, Matt Rule and company. You know uh, Charlie Brewer. You know if you haven't gotten a chance to watch James Lynch, the defensive end. Uh, he's very, very fun to watch, a, a physical defensive end, a guy who you're going to see drive guys back into the backfield. Um, you know, another set of, of ranked uh, opponents here, um, ASU traveling to Rice-Eccles Stadium to take on the Utah Utes, number 17 Sun Devils taking on uh, 13th ranked Utah. Um, that'll be a fun game to watch. Eno Benjamin there for ASU. Um, you know, Zach Moss, if he's healthy there against Utah, uh, let's see, what else do we have? Um, night games, you got Michigan, number 16th ranked Michigan Wolverines. Uh, their defense is really playing well. Uh, they'll take on Penn State, uh, number seven in, in the country. You really want to watch their their defense take on uh, Michigan's offense. Michigan with Hassan uh, Haskins really running the football a lot better. Um, but that O-line is going to have to deal with that vaunted Penn State defense. I think, you know, defensive front, you know, you got Shaka Tony on the outside, especially you have uh, Yitor Gross Matos and then, uh, you know, Robert Windsor at the defensive tackle position. Um, and then, of course, at the linebacker, you've got Micah Parsons, the sophomore phenom there for Penn State. Um, I think the Lions get the job done there. Um, Alabama with a with a, a late game against uh, Tennessee. Um, you know, watch Tua and company. Um you know, throw the ball all over Tennessee in that game. And uh, B- Boise State, 14th-ranked Broncos, Hank Bachmeyer and company taking on BYU. Uh, BYU, you know, taking on the likes of, uh, you know, taking down USC, nearly beat. Um, you know, Washington played tough against Utah as well. Um, so that'll be an interesting game to watch. 9:15 Central Standard Time for that game. Um, so those will be some of the games that I'm going to be tuning into. Um and we'll go ahead and recap those next week. We'll also be taking a look at the running back position and tight ends. Who are some of the top running backs? Who are the guys that are going to be flying under the radar? And then also the tight end position. Uh, you know, the game's changing. And I think with the game changing, you know, you have a lot more running backs, guys that are going to be catching the football out of the backfield. Those are guys that you want to see at the running back position. You know, but at the same time, you look at a, a team like San Francisco, the way that they're running the football with Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, there are going to be teams that are going to want to start copying. It's a copycat league, so you may see some of that as well. So if that's going to happen, Breida and Tevin Coleman catch the football out of the backfield, but you know they're running really hard as well. So you're going to have to find guys that are going to fit those types of offenses. We'll break that down a little bit. We'll take a look at the tight end position and uh, who are some of the guys that are really emerging. There's going to be a guy from a small school that we'll be talking about. I'm going to make sure I get my hands on some game film uh, before we talk about the tight ends. Uh, so stay tuned for that as well. So I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. I know I will. I'll be watching my college football. I'll be enjoying things, taking my notes, and uh, we'll stay tuned uh, for next week. We'll do it all over again. So uh, for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Until next time, take care, everyone, and I am out of here.